You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, hello, everyone. My name's Kevin McKinnon, and I'm with Triathlon Magazine. This is the Life of Tri podcast, and I have the great honor of sitting down next to uh, Ironman CEO and President, uh, Andrew Messick. Um, Andrew, uh, we're sitting here in beautiful Hawaii and uh, gearing up for an epic Ironman World Championship that you're sort of uh, an integral part of. Thanks, Kevin. It's... it's, uh it's always fantastic to be back in Kona and to be a part of making history. You know, we've got 2,200 uh, of the best female triathletes in the world who are here to compete in the first ever all women's Kona. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's really exciting to be here. And it's been the, the culmination of quite an eventful year. So I've kind of said a few times this week, that um, people really have you to thank for where we're at. So, you know, there's lots of people who gripe and moan and complain about we split things up and we're taking, you're taking uh, the world championship away from Kona and, it's, and all of that kind of thing. But um, the reason, like part of it in my mind was you were bound, set and determined that women were going to have their own race day. Uh, that that seemed to me to be something that was very important to you and part of how we ended up here. No, I, I think we, we committed early that for us to be the company we want to be and to continue the legacy that we've had with women in our sport, uh, we need to provide a platform for women to be able to race their own race and to be unencumbered by men. Uh, and we had hoped that that was going to be here in Kona and that there was going to be two days. Uh, unfortunately, it was clear after last year that it was just impossible to, to have two days of racing again in Hawaii, that, that our hosts, this community, was just not prepared to tolerate it. And that left us with the decision to either go back to the way things used to be or to forge a new and bolder path that involved the race in Nice last month and then this race coming up on Saturday. And I think that uh, that we made a brave decision and, and I'm pretty pleased with it so far. I think, you know, when, when people look back at the quote-unquote Andrew Messick legacy, um, it, it's this, that decision, the Nice-Kona thing is something that people are going to remember, um, I don't know if the most, but certainly up there. Um, after seeing Nice, are you even more comfortable with the decision, seeing how well the race went to Nice? I, I don't think the race in Nice could have gone any better. It was an extraordinary competitive event for both professionals and age groupers, super deep fields, great racing. It felt like a world championship. And it was organized at a super high standard. And Nice as a host was amazing. It, swimming in the Med and riding your bike in the Maritime Alps and running on the Promenade des Anglais. Um, 
surrounded by huge crowds of engaged and knowledgeable fans, it was an amazing experience for the for the men, and it'll be an amazing experience next year for the women. Um, so obviously, yes, fantastic racing. Um, what are you looking for? What are you most looking forward to here for the women's race this weekend? Well, it's going to be really different, and and it and it feels different already. That the 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 vibe here in town is one of sort of excitement and energy, but it's it's a less testosterone energy than than Kona usually is, and that is not a bad thing. Um, but the women who are here are psyched to be here, and they are preparing themselves, you know, in their own way for a huge day on Saturday. Um, on the pro side, I don't think there's ever been a race, certainly not in my recollection, and I have been around a long time, that feels as complete and as deep and as competitive as the pro race that we're going to see on Saturday. Uh, and and it's, it's a couple of things. One, everybody's here. There, there isn't anybody missing. There isn't anyone who's injured. There isn't anyone who, for their own reasons, aren't here. Everybody who's anybody is here and at 100%. And I think there are seven, perhaps, maybe more, but a minimum of seven women who are thinking to themselves right now, if I execute my plan, I'm a world champion. And I don't think there's ever been a race when there's been seven people who believe that if they do what they need to do exactly the way they need to do it, that they're going to win. And, and, and there may be more, but if you think of Taylor and Chelsea and Danny and Annie and Lucy and Laura, you know, like they're, they're all, they're like, I can win this race. And and then there's Sarah True, and there's Lisa Norton, and there's Sarah Crowley, and there's like there's a bunch of other women who have demonstrated extraordinary capabilities here. And and so the weather and the tactics and the swim and the bike and the run, it's like it's going to be amazing. Um, and for it to be a race that doesn't in any way, shape, or form need to be shared with the guys is pretty rewarding. 100% of the focus is like on this amazing group of people and the race that they're going to have. And to be able to do that at the first ever all-women's Kona is, is pretty cool. And I will just quickly, this I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but just to reiterate, you know, my wife is back after winning her age group here last year and is wired for sound about a testosterone-free race day um, here and just loving the energy and the vibe of, of a women's supported event. So couldn't, couldn't agree more um, on all of that front. Um, okay, I'd like to switch gears a little bit um, you know, and, and move to an announcement that was just made um, you know, I, I sort of joked, it's like, you know, the PTO take that. Um, but 
there's there's much more to it than that. You know, the announcement of a new uh, pro series, an Iron Man pro series next year. Um, can you sort of talk about why you feel that is so important? Sure. One of the things that we've that we changed during the pandemic is we changed. Well, this was a little pre-pandemic. We changed qualifying for a world championships and moved away from a point system to a, a more direct qualification system. And then during the pandemic, we relaxed our rules around validation for athletes considerably and essentially eliminated it. And one of the things that we've seen this year is that the top athletes in our ecosystem aren't racing with us as much as we'd like. And, and they are, you know, they're looking carefully at the rules. They're looking carefully at the alternatives in front of them. They're doing exactly what, what they should be doing and saying, how do I optimize my calendar, my prize money potential, my sponsorship potential, all of that. And so what we're seeing is, is to an extent that I think we're a little bit uncomfortable with. We see athletes saying, I'm going to race with Ironman to qualify for the Ironman World Championships or the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. I'll compete in the Ironman World Championships and or the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. But then the rest of my year, I'm going to race elsewhere. I'll do Super League. I'll do Challenge. I'll do PTO. And, and our view is we would like a number of those athletes to race with us more. And, and so the real aegis of, of the series is to provide a more compelling incentive for athletes to race with us more frequently and, and for our calendar events to be a bigger part of, sort of their calendar and to create an environment where at our biggest races, whether that's Oceanside or Mallorca or Cairns or Lake Placid, that there are more of the top athletes competing against one another, where there's a real competition. And we think that's going to be great for the age groupers who are at those races. We think it's going to be great for the communities. We think it's going to be great for our partners. We think it's going to be great for the broadcast. And, and so this is uh, us saying, all right, you know, we, we understand that our professional athletes have lots of choices these days. It's a good time to be a pro. And, and we want to throw our hat in the ring to be a more sort of compelling and competitive uh, alternative for them. And uh, how important was it to go 50 deep, like 11th through 50th? Sure, it's $5,000, but that can make a big difference in terms of getting you a plane ticket, getting you accommodations and stuff. So, yeah, I get that it's not huge money, but it's at least something. Well, we're, you know, we have a thousand athletes in our professional ecosystem. And our system is designed to be maximally open. If you're one of our professional athletes, you can sign up for whatever race you want to anywhere in the world. Uh, this pro series is open and eligible for anyone who's a professional athlete. Uh, and, and we want to be, we want this to be like an open competition that provides incentives for people to, to want to be a part of it. And we understand that the prize money at Oceanside may not go 20 deep. Um, and maybe it goes, 
you know, but, but we want for there to be a reason for people to participate in, in the broader series. And, and because we're not just focused on, you know, a small number of pros at the very, very, very pointy end, um, we wanted, you know, a hundred pros to be able to get paid yeah. as opposed to 20 or 40. Um, and so that was really the purpose of, of having travel reimbursements go all the way down to, to 50th place within the series for, for men and women. Yeah, so 1.3 million, I think, for the top, top 10. 10 men and women, and then uh, 400,000 for the 40, you know, 11, 11th through 50th. 50th. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and, and it really started with, you know, it's travel reimbursement. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to, for people to cover their expenses to get to races. And if, you know, you're a professional who's just starting out or, you know, is, is a regional pro, we, we want for people to say, I, I would rather compete against, you know, the, the, the big hitters um, and uh, the, r rather than potentially going and, and doing a smaller set of races somewhere else. So for years I've, you know, I was a pro in, in the eras of the dinosaurs um, long time ago. Um, but I've lived through, you know, I've been working in this industry uh, since I retired. And there are a lot of people who argue and, you know, a lot of money behind sort of saying it's really hard to make money from pro racing. And I have long said that... <laughs> folks are in much better hands with you at the helm because yes you're a businessman yes you're a CEO yes you worked for the NBA way back when and everything but you're also a real tri geek you just love this sport yeah I, I mean you know I, I was Sorry, I was I didn't mean to be offensive no, in any way with that no no I was I was an age group athlete years and years and years before I took this job and and so you know, I, I come by my passion for the sport, honestly. Um, you know, we want to create a series of races that are going to capture people's imagination. And, and that was an important part of the creation of this, of this series is to, is, is to put ourselves in a position where we're going to have more races that people care about. And... And, and those are fun. It's, it's fun to be at an age group race where there's a bunch of really good pros and you see them on the streets and you see them in transition and, you know, there's a whole narrative around, you know, who's in great form and who's racing well and who's going to win. Uh, and, and that's exciting for age groupers to, to feel like they're a part of a big event. Um, you know, we... Ironman's always been around, and and for those people who've been around a long time, they remember, you know, TriStar was around for a while, and Rev3 was around for a while, and, and you know, Challenge ha has been around for, for a while, and Roth's always been, you know, a great race, and the vault surfers do a great job with Roth. Um, you know, now the PTO's here, but through all of that, the, the foundation has always been Ironman. And, and we expect that the foundation is going to continue to be Ironman. And, and we felt it was time for us to demonstrate some leadership and, 
start taking some more forceful steps to you know regain you know the attention and focus and trust of our professional athletes and i think this is a this is a good step absolutely yeah couldn't agree more um and this is part of my or i guess part of my um problem is when i'm interviewing you you know Full disclosure, you know, I worked for worked for Iron Man. You were always incredibly supportive to me. You were incredibly supportive to my son and uh, his pro cycling career, and you know your background in, with that. So I'm, you're certainly never going to end up being super critical. Um, the uh, when you kind of look back at these last ten years, I think it's ten years since you since you became CEO. Almost thirteen. Woo. Okay. <laughs> um, what are you most proud of that uh, of what you've been doing and involved with with iron man that's probably a really hard question look we've done we've done a lot of interesting things and and i'm going to stay focused on on long distance triathlon because one of the things that we have done over over my tenure is we've become a running company and we've come become a trail running company and a mountain biking company and a road cycling company um but the beating heart of our organization is still long-distance triathlon and, and the Ironman and the Ironman 70.3 brands. Um, you know, we've we've evolved our championship races and and turned them into something that I think is pretty wonderful. You know, 70.3 Worlds when when I joined the company was you know, this little race in you know just outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and it was, it was, it was in Henderson, the swim is in Lake Las Vegas, which is like a classic brown water swim. Uh, and the, the evolution of that race from that experience, and it, and it was not a great race, um, to this thing that we saw in Lati with more than 6,000 athletes over two days, the evolution of, of the race, rotating it around the world, splitting it into a men's day and a women's day. The team has done an amazing job of elevating the 70.3 World Championships into, uh, I think, one of the most exciting and compelling races in the world. I think what the team has done here is equally amazing. I mean, one year ago, literally a year ago, we were sitting right here, exact same place, certain that in 2023, we were gonna have two days of racing at Kona. We were certain. And we had the race in October of 2022. It became clear that Kona was not prepared to have two days of racing. We had to figure out a solution. We had to figure out how to wet weather to go back to one day of racing, to move backwards or to continue to move forwards and have a woman's day and a men's day. We were able to create a partnership with the Ville de Nice. We were able to organize an amazing men's world championship. We did all of that in one year. It's an astonishing amount that, that the team has accomplished in this last year. It has not always been easy. And I can't tell you how much, how many people uh, have said, I don't understand why it can't just stay the way it's always been. Like, why can't it stay the way it's always been? And what's, 
what's been remarkable is being here and talking about why can't stay the way it's always been. You're dealing with women in their 70s who became doctors and lawyers at a time when doctors and lawyers were all men. And the women in their 70s lived through men saying, doctors and lawyers that are women, why, why can't things stay the way they've always been? And women who are now in their 40s and 50s who are policemen and firefighters and who had to go through an, a, an ordeal where they were faced with women as firefighters and policemen, why can't things stay the way they've always been? And the integration of educational institutions. Princeton becomes co-ed and a generation of men saying, you've ruined Princeton. Why can't, why can't it stay the way it's always been? Um, and the women here, an extraordinary number of them have lived through that. And so when I hear like all these age group men saying, why, why can't it stay the way it's always been? It's like, dude, you know, we look to the future. We don't look to the past. And, and the future is that women deserve a fair chance to have their own race. They deserve their own platform for racing. And, you know, that is a hill I'm going to die on. And, you know, and if you don't like it, you know, go, go, go lobby the next CEO because you're like, like, I go, 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 go back, go back to your cave. And, and so ultimately does that, does that not justify isn't the right word. So, you know, there's been criticism this year of, you know, it, it, it got too easy to qualify for Kona, right? Like, and, and, but at the end of the day, does that justify it or or would you would you even argue that no okay it wasn't too easy i mean get over yourself okay cuz no, i've been one of those people no, no 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 one ever said that walt stack didn't deserve to do this race even though he used to routinely do it in 25 hours like back in the eight, early 80s back in the old days you know, Michael Collins famously in the second Iron Man, you know, talks about how he was walking to the finish line through Honolulu and he saw on the driveway the the newspaper that had the results of the race that he was still racing in. It took him twenty five hours. Might have been twenty seven or twenty eight. Might have been twenty seven or twenty eight, but you know, where's the righteous outrage that he doesn't deserve to be there? It's like, come on, get over yourself. We're trying to promote women's participation in, in our sport. We've got a split race. What the qualifying standard is for women is independent from what the qualifying standard is for men. For those people who didn't notice, the men raced in France in September, the women are racing in Hawaii in October. We're trying to create the best race we can here in Hawaii. Next year, we're gonna to try to create the best race we can for women in Nice, France. We'll try to create the best race we can next year for men in Kona. And the way we get the best field to the start line may be different. And if that requires a different set of approaches, 
that's what we're going to do. And and the incessant boohooing, it's like, come on, come on, guys, just, just don't don't be quite so lame. Well, I, in in their defense, it does. It there was a time when you were just hot shit. Pardon my language for qualifying for Kona, for getting to Kona, mm-hmm. and there's a fear that that disappears. And I would argue, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, maybe that's not there this year. Hopefully, in the future, we get back to that point. But, but these are totally different things, right? 80%, 80% of the Ironman athletes in the world are men, okay? And they're going to be qualifying for their race. And the 80% qualifying for their race, the races are gonna be about the same size. They just are. And, and it is going to be extraordinarily competitive, whether it's in Nice or whether it's in Kona, because there are four times more men racing Ironman than there are women. We're trying to solve that. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to find ways to get more women to race. And so the pool of women from which we are endeavoring to select a world championship field is necessarily different because there's fewer of them. And for us, our goal is to get the best and most deserving women to the start line here. And next year it's going to be to get the best and most deserving women to the start line in Nice. And how we do that is going to be different and it's independent from how we qualify men. And I think it's just a false narrative that there needs to be like one single qualifying standard. We want to have a full race of extraordinarily capable men next year in Nice. We want to have a full race of extraordinarily capable women in women in Kona, women in Nice, nice, men men in Kona Kona next year. But I I guess, but you're still, you're hearing some of this from women who are saying, you know, like my my wife's first reaction was I had to win Kona or win Ironman Lanzarote to get here. What the heck? But, you know, and she's... And and I I I would tell her that... I'm glad you were able to qualify, but it was unjust that you had to win your age group, whereas men could finish in the top 10, even though there were many more men in that age group. You know, there's no margin for error for the women back when there was only seven, 800 athletes in Kona. And, 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 and if you had a flat tire, if any number of things happened whatever the amount of preparation and run-up could be wasted and and look it was it's competitive for men too i get it um but you know part of the history of the ironman world championships has has always been there's a blend of people who are fast and there's a blend of people who are not fast there was a lottery for years and years there's a legacy program now and by and large I think people who really understand our Ironman ecosystem, they don't begrudge the legacy athletes. But the legacy athletes, by the standards of people who performance qualify, they're slow. Yeah. And, and, and there really isn't anyone who knows anything about our ecosystem who says, oh, you know, the legacy guys, the guys, men and women, like they don't deserve to be there because there's been people 
who are slow from the very beginning. And John and Judy Collins, in the very beginning, created the lottery program explicitly so that people who weren't super fast had a chance to race here. So embedded at the deepest, deepest levels of our DNA as a sport is people who aren't fast deserve to be here. And the people who are super unhappy that only fast people should be here, I would respectfully encourage them to go study your history a little bit more. I want to just move on or, or like, but I'm I fired up about this topic, by the way. I, 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 absolutely. And, but okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to actually put my journalism hat on here and say, okay, but what do you say to the people who would just say, well, this is a money grab. You could still have gradually built this up. You could have said, okay, we're going to have 800 women at our first Ironman world championship. We're going to have a thousand. Why does it need to be 2000 the first time? Why shouldn't it be 2000 the first time? Because, because, because of what? <laughs> well, because you want to, you want to keep that exclusivity. You want to keep that, that, you so, know, so it means something Kevin, to her. Why, why, don't, why don't you walk down the street and start telling people they don't deserve to be here? Because yeah. I'm not going to. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I 100% do not want to get myself stoned by doing all of no, that. But, but like, who, who doesn't deserve to be here? And, and who are you to judge? Okay. I mean, seriously, who, who are you to say... If from the very beginning, people who are slow have been welcome here. Seriously, who the f do you think you are? Yep. I, and I guess that's that's the you're you're bringing up the exact point. Like, so why are we upset when roll downs go so far so far down? Well, well, look, th there is. We believe it should. There should be. Qualifying for the world championships should mean something, right? And I don't think reasonable people don't disagree on that. Now, within that context, there's always been times when slots have rolled a long way. And over the course of our history, of my two decades involved in the sport, and you've been around longer than me, those have been things that have been celebrated. Isn't it awesome? Women's 35, 39 rolled to 45. She took her slot. She never thought she had a chance. Isn't it amazing? And yet somehow, now it's like the person who got that slot, it's the end of the world. Get over yourself. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so the, finally, just since I'm on this roll and... and <laughs> um, what do you say when when you hear or what do you think or maybe say to other people when you hear Iron Man, it's all about the business? Because I'm sure you hear that more than I do, and I hear it a lot. I don't think people have any idea how expensive it is to organize events in terms of money, in terms of people, in terms of resources. These races... The budget of this race is well in excess of five million U.S. dollars. What we have to bring in from all over the world, that we have to bring, I think we have a hundred staff here that we fly in, that we have to 
accommodate. People have been here for weeks and weeks and weeks. The equipments, the road closures, the vol like the amount of cost it costs to operate these events is astonishing and is going up. It would have been so much easier to, I mean, the, the path we've taken, trust me, it is not the path of profit optimization in the short term. And, and yet we're doing it because we think it's the right thing. And, you know, we are a business. You know, we have to have revenues that exceed our costs or we go broke like every other business in the world. And by the way, it's not lost on us that when we talk about like the history of all of the other companies that have competed with us, the TriStars, the Rev3s, blah, 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 they all went broke. And we haven't. And so I'm not going to apologize for running a business like a business because our age group athletes, our partners, our host communities, our professional athletes know that part of our goal is to be around in 10 years or in 20 years or in 50 years. And that we're going to make promises that we're going to keep and that we're going to behave in the long-term best interests of Ironman and that people can trust us. And, you know, that's part of, that's part of, what has made us different from many, many, many other race organizations within this industry over the 45 year history. And don't, don't expect me to apologize for that. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to apologize for anything. I start at one point in this way. Anyway, I, you know, talked about how I'm, very biased one way and it's very difficult for I'm, me to I'm, I'm getting fired up and like yeah. every, every minute i'm saying more things that i shouldn't but i am the outgoing ceo so I've there you that. go and so i'm going to just round out with outgoing ceo you're still going to be involved yeah. as part of the board but will we when you became ceo i'm guessing you sort of figured hey i'm going to be able to jump into these iron man races and i'm going to do some training and all that kind of thing and my guess is it probably didn't work out to be quite as much Ironman training and fun time as it uh, as you had originally thought. I, I think that there are those who think that like my job is like going to races and hanging around athletes and like training and being in, in really good shape. Uh, it, you know, it's it's not. You know, we're a big company, at least by the standards of this industry, and you know we have. 30 plus offices in more than 15 countries around the world. We accept money in lots of currencies. We pay taxes in a hundred or more jurisdictions around the world. We have, you know, an IT infrastructure. We've got, like we're a real company and the job is managing that real company. Um, and so, you know, what I get to do here race week, where I get up and I swim out to the coffee boat and I talk to athletes and that that's not, what the other 51 weeks of the year are like. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, if you love the sport and you love triathlon, um, doing all that other stuff that maybe isn't that much fun is, is worth it when you come here. Well, hopefully you'll have a chance to uh, do a bit more of the fun stuff and we'll get to see you uh, at some races over the next little bit. 
Uh, thank you for taking the time today and thank you just for, as I said, being so supportive to me personally and my family and, uh, you know, I, I know there's lots of folks out there who have been critical and all that stuff and I really appreciate you just being frank with, uh, with stuff. Yeah, and, and look, Ironman athletes in our Ironman community have a lot of, they have a lot of opinions and a lot of points of view. Overwhelmingly, those points of view, those strongly held views, come from a place of passion and commitment and belief in Ironman. And that's not lost on me. And I've said many times, and I'll believe until, you know, I'm done, that it's better to have people who care enough to be passionate than people who don't give a shit. And, and so accepting the feedback is part of my job, and I listen carefully and respectfully. Um, but there also we also live at a, at a weird time where in this social media world, um, you know, when I grew up, you know, if you do, didn't know what you were talking about, you were expected to keep your mouth shut because you didn't know what you were talking about. Uh, in this day and age, you know, people expect to be listened to even in, if they don't know what they're talking about. And, uh, and I just turned 60, so I'm an old guy. But, uh, you know, I, th I think if you don't know what you're talking about, you ought to just kind of zip it. Uh, but that's, that's, that's an old man's point of view. Hey, uh, to another old man who just turned 60 this year, and, and well, everyone knows uh, I've been doing this stuff for longer than most people have been alive. So, Andrew, thank you again, and uh, best of luck through the rest of the week, and best of luck through moving, you know, non-CEO Ironman stuff. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.